0: Hey, everybody, I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted podcast. This week on the podcast, Annie and I are diving into a question from the mailbag from a doctor who finds themselves absolutely drowning in records. And... They are struggling with their own um, mental health and well-being as a result of it. And it's complicated further by the fact that their partner is also a veterinarian who finds themselves in the same boat. And now they found themselves spending time that they want to be spending together outside of work, working on work. And just doesn't feel like a sustainable situation. And they are wondering, how do I get out of this mess? Let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted podcast.
1: And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie Goss. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Behold the technological might of the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Didn't know we had power like that at our fingertips, did you guys? I didn't know you had power like that at your fingertips. (laughs) I think if you said something and then, uh, and then, uh, sound effect, I think it would, I think I've always suspected
0: that Dustin Bayes has that power at his fingertips. (laughs) Dustin, who puts our podcast together, because uh, he he holds the power. Yes, cool. How are you doing here? good. I am good. It has been a crazy busy m- morning. Yeah, it is. It is cra- it's like when you when you go away. So we just got back from VMAX. And this was the first time that we've traveled since the beginning of December. And so I actually felt really good about leaving this time. I felt like I had my little checklist. Did I get all the things done? Did I give everybody they needed so that you know, everything the wheels can keep turning while you're gone. Um, And even when you do all the things, and then you come back and it's like you got to dig out. <laughs> of the email and the the messages and the i got back yesterday and i was like holy batman there's like 900 slack messages to read (laughs) and uh it's just it's good but it's just that that busy busy feeling of like jumping back in and i always feel guilty because i've gotten to this place where i usually block a day or two after coming back from something to like catch up and dig out where my calendar isn't really open i'm not doing things yeah
1: i um I did not feel good leaving because my daughter turned 15 last week, and uh, she she, uh, she had Friday that we were leaving for VMX. She had Friday off. It was the Friday before uh, Martin Luther King Day, and um, she went for her driver's permit test, and she did not pass it. And so as I'm trying to go to the airport, my daughter is coming home, and she's devastated because of course she's told her friends, get my permit, and she she will not come out of her room. And I'm like, see you in five days. Uh, and it sucks so much. So, uh, so I thought on the teaching of Stephanie Goss. Uh, and, and I was like, I want her to feel supported, even though I got to go. And so I thought, like, what is her language of appreciation? What is her love language? Uh-huh. And Jacqueline's love language is gifts. Um, and so I sprinted to the grocery store and bought her a bouquet of flowers and sprinted back. And I was like, these are for you. I love you. Everything is going to be fine. I also failed my permit test the first time. It happens to everybody. Here you go. <laughs> and I gave her the flowers. And I left. And she survived. And so I got home. And uh, and she had gone to get her permit. And so I get home the day that she actually went. She rescheduled, went in the morning next week when I got back from VMX and got her permit. And so her mother, who's a rule follower, was like, we're going to wait until this weekend, and then we're going to go to a parking lot, and we're going to let her drive the car that we think she's probably going to drive around, and she's going to get acclimated to the brakes and things like that. And uh, her mother left last night, and she, Jacqueline looked at me, and she was like, hey, can you show me the buttons in your car? And I was like, the buttons? Us? Let's go for a ride. And so I took Jacqueline out. in it's like nine o'clock at night is pitch black and we live in the country but i'm like what you know what's gonna what could possibly happen and so i've got her on this road in our neighborhood and i'm letting her drive and she almost put us in the ditch about three times but once i was in it oh that's fine i couldn't right. be like you know what this is a bad idea just 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 yeah just put it in park and get out because this is a mistake but like i'm like smile on my face <laughs> super dad and i'm like yep, no it's okay that's yes, that tree I came, my mind. came out of nowhere um so anyway we we made our way down and back okay yeah.
0: in, in fairness wait wait wait. in fairness uh i've driven on your road and i would not want to drive on your road as a brand new driver at at night when it's pitch black that's, like you didn't you like made the fatal mistake like you should have taken her to an empty parking lot
1: that's <laughs> that's what my wife said um <laughs> And I am willing Shocking. to, I am willing to consider the idea that my decision might have been bold. I will also say, for the rest of her life, she'll remember the day she got her permit, and she and her dad drove drove down the cul de sac by Almost themselves. Almost drove in the ditch. I don't know that she knew how close we were. It's kind of like fair. Yeah, it's, it's probably better for her that way. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to be like, oh, by the way, that could have been really bad. I was like, no, nope, we had it the whole way. <laughs> Basically, uh, the first three years of me being a practicing veterinarian uh, have trained me to be like, everything's fine. Everything's and, fine. Uh, it's all good. Uh, I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing, and everything is fine. And so I have those muscles, and I used the heck out of them last night.
0: Oh. Poor Jacqueline.
1: Uh, no, she she was she was so happy. She was so happy, and it was it was absolutely worth the risk of property, life, limb, and neighborhoods. Right. the neighbors' mailboxes. Like they were all worth the risk that was taken.
0: Yeah, uh, the parking lot at at the school is a good usually a good choice. Like not when school's in session, yeah. but like after hours, because usually pretty wide open because yeah. all all the you know bus space and there's usually nobody around. Well, we're gonna do that, a... but
1: it just you know. <laughs>
0: let's start on your let's start on your road which is narrow has lots of trees ditches off to both sides So, so great idea like to put this in perspective for you guys i've been to i've been to andy's house (laughs) and i and i'm afraid to drive backwards down your driveway
1: yeah well i didn't i drove i drove her out of the driveway and then just kind of let her go but yeah
0: It's one of the goss. You're not hel- you're not helping the no, story here. you're not
1: helping me at all. But it's, it is one of those things too, where like after it's over, you look back and go, "Wow, that was a that was a bold choice." Uh, there's a number of things in my life where I'm like looking back. I'm like, mm. "Hmm, I see how that mm-hmm. could have gone badly, but it didn't." And so we're just going on. Everybody's gonna be cool. Oh man,
0: oh man. Uh, well, I am excited about today's uh, mailbag questions. Uh, this one is is funny because it is business related uh but also a little bit medicine related and i just thought it was a good one and one that we have gotten um kind of repeatedly yeah in different in different ways so we got we got some mailbag questions about record writing because they basically all said oh my god i need tips (laughs) because i am drowning in records (laughs) i'm drowning in records how do you keep up with record writing uh particularly as the veterinarian and we have seen several of these in this i thought uh i pulled out some pieces out of this one because it was so great they were just like records are a major source of anxiety in my life right now like i'm looking at my colleagues to see what they're doing because they're all leaving at the end of the night like they finish their cases and they walk out the door and i'm there for hours and so I was looking to them to see, like, what could I learn from them? And what I realized is that they just aren't writing the records.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and so this vet was like, that's not an option for me. And I I need help because I find myself working all day and then I'm staying late. I spend days off doing them and I'm still behind. Um, and their partner is also a veterinarian. And they are also in the same boat and they both feel like they're spending so much of their free time that they should be spending together. They are spending it together, but they're spending it together, writing up their charts, which is miserable. And as, as they were saying, it's draining us both. And I don't think that it's sustainable. Um, And so they were like, it seems like a easy answer should be work stays at work and home, you know, home time is home, but we can't seem to manage that while being, you know, overwhelmed with patients at the clinic. And so uh they were like, "I know this is a common problem i've t- I've talked to some of my peers and other people are having it too, but is this just something that I need to accept? How can
1: i How can I balance and try and keep up with the record writing yeah um i I love this topic uh I love this. I could speak very passionately about it um <laughs> And I'm going to. And I'm going to. This is and I'm going to this is gonna be a soapbox it, it Andy. Okay. <laughs> Let's begin. With, because, because writing up charts is part of being a doctor. It's a big part of being yep. a doctor. People don't recognize how sure. big a part of being a doctor is. And God, a lot of people really suck at it. I mean, I don't come on here and say, boy, people suck a lot. But this kills Hash me. the truth. <laughs> yeah. People suck at this. And, uh-huh. and the vet schools train people in a crap way to do this thing. And and like it starts at the vet schools and people are like this is how you do it. And I'm like that's a terrible way to do it. And I'm going to talk about why it's a terrible way to do it. And but I'm not tell, okay. I'm not saying the vet school should do it differently. And I'll and I'll unpack that in a second. But here here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> so we just came to they do it terrible, but don't change the way you're terrible, doing it. Terrible. It's, it's terrible. And okay, here here's why it's terrible. Okay, the point of medical records in a vet school are to teach people. It is basically sure. like you writing an essay about the case that you're on for your attending clinician to read and understand your thought process and see what sure. you're if you understand what we're doing. And so for that reason a robust medical record of your thoughts and feelings and emotional journey with this case is valuable. Okay, fair. That is not the point when you're in general practice and you're trying to push cases through your clinic and get care to people on a deadline, right? it is you're okay. you're not being graded by anyone the robustness of your um, of your entries is a negative it's not a plus but we're trained in vet school to write more there were times in vet school i was 100% hammered for not writing more giving more possible differentials explaining more what could be done and when and i go i get that in vet school they were trying to get me to extrapolate on what i knew in practice, that's a massive problem, and 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 I'll, I'll I'll walk through that. But that's why I say I'm not saying the vet schools should do it differently. I think the vet schools should say this is how you do it in vet school, and before you leave vet school, here's how you do it in practice. And that that and that's what I that's what I think. And so anyway, it's a bit oh, of rant. Well, this is this is this is gonna be a feisty episode because right. I no, okay, I feel like I, I feel like I disagree. Okay, well you can <laughs> let me let me lay out my let me lay out my yep, position fully before you start to disagree. Go for it. it. Here's the thing. All right. Medical records are important, and we we were just at VMX, and I talked to a veterinarian who works for the AAVSB, American Association of Veterinary State Boards, and these are the people who uh, review your medical license when there is a board complaint made against you, and Mm -hmm. uh, she was wonderful. I'm so glad we got to meet. Um, She was very kind, but basically, she was like, help us to help you. (laughs) Like, you've got to, like, if it's not written down, if you don't have a medical record, we can't help you. Like, you, you're yeah. toast and we Fair. can't help you. But if sure. you have a basic functional medical record that says a couple of things, you're probably going to be okay in most board complaints, assuming you didn't do anything, obviously, mm-hmm. medically negative, mm-hmm. right? Like, the mm-hmm. chances of someone's mad at you and you didn't really do anything wrong, um, if you don't have a medical record, the chances are good that you're going to be in trouble. And if you do have right. a medical record, the chances are good you're going to be just fine. But these these are a... Big thing. They're also obviously a big thing for patient care, and I, I don't have to tell you the importance of writing up your writing up your trust for patient care. But anyway, let's talk, let's start with headspace, okay? Okay. So we got a question: How do we do this? And my husband and I are both get, tapping out, you know, and other doctors just aren't doing it. And, and what what do we do? Okay. So the first thing in headspace, and I challenge doctors that are working in practice to do this: I need you to sit down and think of it for a second and look at think about your medical records, and then think to yourself, what is the point? I mean, seriously, what's the point of a medical record, okay? What is the point in vet school? Which I already said, the point in vet school is a a lot of times a learning opportunity, and they're trying to teach the most legally sound approach to medicine. Like, I get it, okay? What is the point in emergency medicine? And in emergency medicine, the point of a medical record is different than in GP because you're not going to see this patient again. They are going back to their regular veterinarian, and part of your medical record is communication back to the doctor of what did I see, what did I say, what did I do, so that you can pick this case back up tomorrow, and you feel comfortable about what was done, and you know what expectations have been set. And the last is what is the the point in general practice, right? So let's just say that you're a general practice vet like myself, and you're seeing uh, patients. What's the point, okay? the point of the medical record is to, in an accessible way, and that's critically important, in an accessible Uh way to document key findings, to document recommendations that were made, to document client decisions, and to lay out the plan going forward. That's it, that's it, those are the things. That's the whole point. And so, put aside the novels that you were taught to write in vet school and just say, if this is the point, document key findings, document recommendations, document client decisions uh, and and lay out the plan, you should think about how you're going to accomplish that and stop just doing things the way you've done them in the past. And so that's the headspace for me is stop, stop. If you're doing it and it's not working for you, you need to stop and you need to say, what is the point in this and then mm-hmm. get a clear point in your mind. And now let's come up with a new way to do your records. And so that's 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 how that's where I go in headspace first. Okay.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on board there. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. It has to be, it has to be accessible. And I think your points about the key findings, the recommendations, the client decisions, and the plans going forward are, are great. And I think that what you said about the point in emergency medicine is for a lot of us in general practice is also somewhat the point in general practice because sure. gone are the days where you're the soul of that and you're picking up after yourself yep. right now somebody else whether it's a member of your front desk team who then is faced with talking to the client and trying to interpret what you did or why you did it or another doctor who's picking up because the pet's back two days later or whatever were were for for me like what i think about it from the Business perspective and the manager perspective, and having been on both sides as the patient care team, the technician, and on the client care team as a front desk person, I have to I have to know where your head was at, yep. and your I, that's where I love your bullet points. What were the find, What were the key findings? What were the recommendations? What did you talk about with the client?
1: What did they decide? And what is the plan yep. moving forward? That's that. Yeah, that's, ex- so that's exactly you there. You know, the other thing uh, I want to make a couple other pushes here to rethink the way you're doing medical records, right? So the first one is a time benefit. Okay, think about how many medical records you touch in a day. Okay, you're in practice, how many medical records come through your hands? Now think about how many times you log into your system and open that record back up, right? So it's it's one is how many patients did you see? How many records did you look at? And then how many times from different computers did you log into this record, right? It's a huge amount of time it's a huge uh-huh. amount of time right and, and how how many do you think you how many do you think you touch an average shift so so it this is the question of how many appointments should a doctor see which is a dangerous question because practices are very different um, Sure. i would say in a in a day um i'm probably somewhere in the mid 20s you know what i mean of like how many patients i see verse, versus also people calling in to talk to the doctor making recommendations on the phone yes. things like that you start, like, yeah, yeah. you start thinking about and i'm not talking that's... about repeat visits to a record i'm talking about how many different records pass through my hands
0: a single record that gets yep. opened yeah no i that's why when you when you said that that was where my head was going and i would say like like you said everybody's clinical structure is set up and we have we have a clinics that uh you know our colleagues work at that they might see you know seven to 13 patients in a day. And we also have other other practices where they are seeing 25 or 30 patients in a day. And, you know, every, every or ER, which I could imagine could be way more than that in a super busy shift. But then you think about, to your point, what about the prescription refills and that where the client had a question and all this. Like It's probably upwards of
1: 100 or more that the average team member touches in it a day. It could be. It's, it's, it's a, a, it's a lot. lot. Okay, so it's a lot. And when you're dealing with a lot in a day and every day, Think about how yes. that adds up. Now think yes. about the difference that 1 minute per record makes. Like uh-huh. that's huge. I'm with you. That is uh-huh. huge. It's big in a day, it's real big in a week, it's enormous in a yes. month. It's a lot. Yes. it's a lot of time. So, the idea of getting intentional and smart about how you're doing your records, this is work-life balance, my friend. This is a significant thing for t- for opening yeah. up time. Is in this medical records. And people just, they refuse to think critically about how they do their records. And it's dumb when you think about how many you do. There's a communication benefit, right? I am a big believer of putting tangible pieces of information about what was happening into a client's hands, right? Give yep. them something mm-hmm. they can see. I like to print it off and give it to them because it's tangible. They paid their money, they asked sure. them, they can hold in their hand, right? It empowers the person who came in and deals with you to be able to defend their purchase decisions to people at home. Like, sure. think about the percentage of sure. people who like, there ain't a lot of us that are the sole financial decision makers in our family, and nobody questions how we spend the family money. Like, that's not most right. of our realities. And so, right. I like to equip pet owners who are there to go home to their spouse and say, "This is what we did. Yes, it. Yes, we paid that money, and this is what we got, and this is what we did, and here's a thing that you can hold that we that that we learned. It's um, yes. it's a CYA uh, by providing mm-hmm. it to the pet owner in writing." And so, if you said, strongly recommend heartworm, uh, told owner that uh, heartworm disease is uh, extremely prevalent in our area, uh, owner declines heartworm at this time, and you give it to them, worst case scenario, push comes to shove. I, I wrote it down. I told you, Yeah. I, I wrote it down and I gave it to you, and you even have a copy yes. of it. Um, it's just yes. a quick CYA. And the last thing is signposting for the next visits uh, and for follow ups. It is. Yes. So nice to say to people, you say, great, you've elected to treat this patient empirically. If this patient does not get better in 24 hours, you're going to come back and you can expect to do uh, or at that time we will do radiographs, X, blood Z. work, X, yeah. Y, and Z. And they come back in and I told them what was going to happen and I told and it's print what was going to happen and they come in and they're like, well, is what's going to happen, and it's just really easy for getting compliance and getting them on board, and it saves me time, but it's a big motivational thing for them coming in and doing the diagnostics that we need to do, and so that's called signposting, and the last thing is is the tech leverage benefit that a lot of people don't think of. If you want to leverage your technicians, if you want to work collaboratively with your paraprofessionals, they need to know what is going on and what your plan is, and the yes. medical records are a far superior way than you individually telling each one of them with your mouth while you're doing other things what the yes. plan is. And so yes. your technicians are prepared to do callbacks, to see tech appointment follow-ups, to do rechecks, to do so much communication for you. But they right. can't do it if you don't if they don't know what the plan is. Like right. you're so it, just the ability to 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 get good use out of your texts comes from doing a good medical record that's accessible to them. And so getting medical records right and doing them efficiently is really, really important. There's huge benefits to stopping what you're doing and stepping back and going, okay, we can do this differently. And it's worth thinking about how we do it and to make some workflow changes.
0: I would agree with all of that. And I think... Most of my argument probably is going to come in the in the action
1: steps, probably. Okay. All right. (laughs) Because
0: I'm still because I'm still with you. I I I agree
1: in in all of that. Okay. Well, then we will take a break here, and we'll come back and we'll get into the action steps of what exactly (laughs) should we do according to Andy in this in this situation, and then you can tell me where I'm wrong.
0: Have you done it yet? Have you headed over to the Uncharted website? the one that's at unchartedvet.com forward slash events and have you clicked on that link for the April conference. If you haven't, friends, you need to head over and click on that link and then you need to hit the register button because I want to see you with us in sunny Greenville, South Carolina in less than 80 days. We are going to be diving deep into tackling internal communications this spring. We want to talk about how do we improve our communications amongst our teams in a whole myriad of ways. How do we uh, how do we set boundaries? How do we have conversations about affordability of pet care and communications? outwardly towards our clients as a result how do we use language and maybe think about changing some of the language we're using to have better communication as a team just previews of some of the awesome stuff that we're going to be talking about so if you haven't done the thing if you haven't put your fingers to your keyboard and typed unchartedvet.com forward slash events go do it now because i have hugs waiting for you in greenville and you should not miss out on this and now back to the podcast
1: All right, so let's get into, into how we actually start to do these medical records. Okay, now okay. Um, I'm going to break this down like a like the way that we break down efficiency and core processes in a practice. Okay, okay. So the first thing we am going to do is step back and look at the system as a whole. And so bear with me. This is really honest to god how I think about appointments. Okay, okay. Let's step back and we look at the system as a whole. And so medical records are part of the workflow of the doctor. Okay. Okay. Uh, My belief, and I can back this up a a number of different ways, is one of the mistakes that doctors make, and it's it's, it's just in how we're trained, but it's true. They think of an appointment as a single unit. I see 13 appointments a day. That's what I see. I think that that's a really limited way to think about what you do. And it's limited in how efficient you can make yourself if you think of an appointment as a unit, right? Appointments should be thought of modularly there's admission of the pet owner there is the um, there is the, hist- the patient history There is Mm -hmm. the physical examination, there is the recommendation, there is the diagnostics, there is the treatment, there is the follow-up diagnostics after the first diagnostics. And you can break this thing all the way down into being a couple of modules. I like to break an appointment up into modules, and then I like to look at who does what. So, for example, when an appointment comes in for me, my technician gets a TPR and gets the client history, and then Andy comes in, does the physical examination, makes the recommendations, steps out, technician does the diagnostics, does any treatments that are needed. And then I return with diagnostic results um, and recommend additional diagnostics or additional treatments based on those results. Or we move to uh, to discharge, which is done by the technician. And so really, when you okay. look at an appointment, it's not one block it's technician me technician me and then that re- yeah. and then that repeats if if we need to do advanced doctor and then do- and then discharge is by technician with my medical records in their hands okay sure. and so so that that's the workflow if you break your appointment across apart like that you can really start to make this thing go. You can dial into training your technicians specifically on history taking. I can dig into how long am I spending doing a physical examination? You know, how long am I spending doing recommendations? And then uh, when I'm done with recommendations, how long is my team taking to take pets out to get diagnostics done? I can drill into the specific efficiencies of each of those steps. And you guys can see, I'm really serious about making this thing flow. But if you're doing 25 appointments a day, Every day for the rest of your career, shaving three, four minutes off of your appointment time, buddy, that pays real dividends in you getting things done and you getting out on time on you being able to help more people. And the medical record is part of that. While my technicians are doing the treatment or the diagnostics, I am writing up the medical record, right? like That's where I go. And so I know that I go in, physical exam, out, medical record. In to report out, uh, you know, update medical record and then off with the discharge and it goes out. And so, so I really believe that's you have to understand that's how I think about appointments. I'm not messing around, they don't kind of willy-nilly get done. But that approach is it allows me to really leverage my text, which is why I'm such a huge fan of text, um, and to pull people in and for us to run like a well-oiled machine. Okay. Yes, I'm with you on that. Right, cool. So, when we talk specifically about the medical record part of this, this is a module in that system. And so I want to okay. I want to drill into this like an, it's an efficiency exercise, right? And so when we have efficiency exercises and you want to go faster, the first thing you do is document your current workflow. And so sure. you need to look at how this is actually happening, right? What is, what is going on? And what happens is people say, well, what do you mean what's going on? I sit down, I think about the thing, and I write it down. And I say, no, you don't, you know? No, you don't. <laughs> you touch this medical record three different times at three different computers, logging in each one, navigating your way to find the patient to open that file up. You're waiting for it to load. Then you're getting over to the soap and you're doing this three different times. That's why wi- yeah. that's wildly inefficient, right? You want, sure. you want to minimize the number of touches you have on any project. That's just across the board. I don't want to go over to the pharmacy four different times to get one appointment out the door. That's not efficient. I want to think right. about going to the pharmacy one time, grabbing the four things that I need, getting them done, packaged and out, and out the door. And so that, that's what we talk about when we start to really drill into the efficiency, right? So think about the number of times you're, that you're touching this. And, uh, and so I want to minimize the number of touches I have on the record. I want to open it up and I want to largely get it done, you know, as fast as I can with as few engagement with it as possible. And the last thing is inside that record, I want to automate as many steps as possible. It's amazing how many of us basically do the same physical exam every for every patient. And we type that physical exam in every time. That's bonkers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Automate, automate, automate that thing. And like it's amazing. I, I don't have a problem with uh with doctors saying to the management, "Hey, would you be okay if I set up my own template for for physical exam findings, right? And just be like this. It'll be Andy's wellness exam, and I can sure. and I can pop it up and I can use it, right? Um, think about the number of appointments or uh, charts we see in a day, and then think about how much time over the course of a year." You would say by having this thing generate your your um, your objective findings, and then also like your your plan, even just in a template of how do, you know how do you write your plans? If you're always like this is um, these are the next steps, these are the follow up things, whatever. The more of that stuff you can just auto generate, so you're quickly filling it out. The better off you're going to be, and it, this matters because of how many records we touch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so if-
0: I, I so okay, so I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, where I think for me, like I take it, I zoom out even further, and this is actually something you taught me. Um, when you think about it, and this works for, I really do believe, all branches of veterinary medicine, including ER. If you zoom out. And you think about, in an average day, what kind of cases we see. It's gonna be easier. If you are a cat-only practice, you might have a handful of things that you you see wellness appointments for cats. Uh You might see dentistry appointments for cats. You might see sick cats, right? And in your sick cat, you might have five or six different things that you see really commonly. And there's gonna be zebras. There are always zebras. But on your average day, what are those things that you see? If you think about that from a clinical perspective, You can probably count on two hands, everybody. Like the the kinds of cases we see, we've got vomiting, we've got diarrhea, we've got you know the the ADR, you've got yeah, you got itchy skin uh, or itchy ears, you got you got itch factor of some variety, right? So if you start at the beginning and think about like what kind of cases does your practice see, no matter what type of practice it is, and what I mean by even ER, like ER sees some crazy crazy things, and there are things that they see every single day, just like GP, right? So what are those, th- what are those things? Hip by car, uh, broken bone, uh, you know, things like that. If we zoom out and we think about what are those things and make, and make a list. And then we start by thinking, okay, to your point, I love your point, Andy, about it doesn't even have to be the same across the board yeah. because each doctor's approach to those things might be differently. But if you, and if I asked you, Andy, okay, Take, a you know, a vomiting pet, a pet with diarrhea, a itchy pet, and like write down, think about the most high-maintenance client that you could see with that, with a pet with that issue. What would your chart look like? And if you take the time to sit down and think about what would that look like, how would I hold their hand, how would I communicate those things, and you write it out, it takes time to do that process, and you're doing it once and then you're done. And what I mean by that is, if you think about that that case and a high-maintenance client, chances are you can use that template to cover 99% of the basis because then it's just deleting, right? Then it's just taking out things that might not be applicable, yeah. adding in some things that might be applicable to this case. And now you're just, Editing instead of writing. And I every day hear from people who are like, I'm, you know, it used to happen to me in the practice, and I would have doctors who would sit there, they're seeing the same things, but they're literally doing what you said, which is typing out the whole thing every single time. And it blows my mind that that's still where we are as a field because, to your point, we have the technology to fix that problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, even if, even if you're even if your PIMS is not the most azan- a- advanced of PIMS there is nothing to stop you from opening a Google Doc and, and writing your templates in a single Google Doc yeah. and making a table of contents for yourself so that you can pull out of that what you need when you need it. But I think when we, when we uh, I've done this exercise with with my practice multiple times with multiple doctors, and what we found was they all were like, we all write our charts differently. Fair. You all went yeah. to different medical schools. You all have different backgrounds. You all have different things that you feel more strongly about than others right and the reality is for most practices there is an average in there somewhere and so it is once you start this process to look at how what are we writing and how are we writing it it becomes it becomes easier to make the template and then look for those commonalities and in some practices it works for there to be one template mm-hmm. that works for everybody and in other practices it works because there's a system to your point for each doctor to have it individualized, and your practice management software can do that. You can do it with a push of a button. Right. I can literally, I can literally hit three keys in AvMark and drop in my customized. I've written this out as a technician notes that are different from my team members' notes. It's it's, it's not hard to do, but I I agree a hundred percent. Like you, I think we have to zoom out from a starting perspective, and it's a worthwhile exercise to your point about shaving tons of time off Mm -hmm. in the long run to sit down make a list of the cases the kind of cases you see and start working your way down it and what i found when i did this process most of my doctors like if i said to you hey andy what's the last like super itchy pet you saw you probably could have a patient that would come to mind Mm -hmm. and then i could say great i'm gonna pull up that chart yeah i'm gonna take i'm gonna cut and paste here's what you wrote for that for that case Is there anything else, if you were making this your standard, (laughs) is there anything else you would want to add to this? Anything you want to change, right? Now, instead of you having to sit down and say, "Oh, Stephanie wanted me to think about what I would write for an itchy pet, right? Now you're taking something that you've already done, and now you're just editing the work, which makes the process exponentially easier. I think a lot of us are like, oh, gosh, I have to. It's this huge bit. We make it into a mountain when it's really easy can be really easy to start with a molehill yeah right because those patients stick
1: out in our minds. <laughs> yeah i so the way i handle this okay and there's a little there's got to be a little bit careful here because i can get on board with this but go going all the way back to the beginning where i say what is the point right um okay if the point is client education we need to be we need to be up front about that because i didn't put that in my list but it's not wrong you know what i mean to be like if you say, I want to write this in a way that my most demanding client is, go- like, is going to get it, you know? It's, okay. Yeah, I think you can do that. But I think that here's – and this is why – here's exactly why I rant at the, about the vet schools, okay? And, and maybe I was unfair, but I don't think so. I don't think, so. uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I, you're unfair. <laughs> when I do a medical record, it is for my techs and my other doctors, and yes. I know that they are super busy, And what kills me is I have worked with veterinarians who are great veterinarians, but they write four pages in their medical record. And it makes me angry every time I look at what they did. And I know they're like, I'm such a good doctor. I wrote 3,000 words on that thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not reading this crap. Like, I'm going to skim it as fast as I can, you know, and and then I'm going to go look at what you invoice so I can see what you actually did, because this is ridiculous. I don't have eight minutes to read that they they had an ear infection last time they were here. And and again, like, I know this is heresy, and people go, what? My four-page description of an ear infection is a masterpiece. And I go, it's wildly inconvenient for me. You are slowing me down when I am overbooked and trying to get to an emergency because you did not communicate efficiently. And so I think you can yes. do that client education part and write up a robust uh, template that you say aha here's the thing. I would say you should put that at the bottom of your medical record so that yes. everyone else on the staff can immediately skip it. They'll say here is, you know, important points for the pet owner or you know, have your plan and then have your real plan and then below it have your templated in plan that clearly explains everything. But I can ignore that and just look at your assessment and your actual plan and know and know where we're going and what we're doing. And so that's 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 my sticking point. The vet school teaches you yes. to take, in my opinion and experience with a limited number of vet schools, they take all the information and they put it in one place, which makes it confusing for the pet owners and overwhelming for busy practitioners and technicians who have just been handed a telephone and said, talk to this person. And they're like, I got I'm sorry I'm going to have to call you back when I get to chapter 3 um because that's where we right. are. Yes. And so anyway, I, yes. I think I, I do love your point about you doing your client communications on a template. My point is I would I have strong feelings that separating the intra-hospital communications and the client-facing communications if you're going to go into great depth, I think that's yes. important.
0: I am a, I'm 100% with you. I think we've come to this place in veterinary medicine where and like you were saying i don't know if it comes from the vet schools or because we're just living in the litigious world now we've just come to this place where the patient care side of the chart and the client care side of the chart have melded together yeah. for a lot of us and and i am absolutely a huge advocate if it, it my number one rule in my team if it isn't written in the chart it didn't happen right right because that's like to, to the point about the medical board that's how they look mm-hmm. at it what is written because we can only go off of what is written in the chart and so i 100 percent agree with you and i love i love setting up a practice management software so that you have that separation because I'm with you. It used to drive me crazy when I would be the tech and I would have the client on the phone and I'm digging through four or five paragraphs trying to figure out what you actually said. Yeah, I want the high level and I want to make sure that the important pieces are called out. And that's where I think... Our technology allows us to do that. And so many of us underutilize our practice management software to leverage that and make it easier for the, for the team. Because um, I think your point about minimizing those touches and thinking about how do we automate those steps is, is really, really important. Yeah. Because if I can think about how do I, nine times out of 10, how do, I, how do my doctors treat an itchy skin case? And I think about the bullet points that I would want that record to include. Like that's, that's what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. from a template perspective. Like what does that say? So that if I'm picking it up, I haven't, you Andy were in my practice as a, as a relief doctor two weeks ago and I haven't, we haven't talked to you since. And now Mrs. Smith is on the phone asking questions. I want to be able to go pick up that record as a technician and go, yeah, I, I could get inside Doctor Rourke's head because it's all like it's all right here. Mm-hmm. I can I know what he was thinking. I know what those major, uh, you know, those major concerns were. I know what he recommended to you. I know what the plan was, and I know what your decision was as
1: the client at that point in time. Yeah. The the last part of this that I think is really important, and I this I am this is a hill I will I will fight and die on. Um, the filling out the medical record is part of the appointment, right? It is yes. a module and it is there. Yes separating the time that you do medical records from when you see patients is a mistake. A doctor should dig their heels in uh, and push against yep. it. And your practice might not like that. And I think you should tell them to stick it. because I, and, and you don't hear me say that a lot, but you should. This is me coming <laughs> down on the part 100%. of the doctors. You should tell them to stick it. Um, and it's because it is not, first of all, it's not good medicine uh, for you to see an appointment and then three hours later, use your recall to remember, to remember what you talked yep. about and, and put your stuff yep. in there as not good yep. medicine. And the other part is this is a way, it's a subtle way. And I don't think people mean to. They don't think about it. It's not an evil plan. But it is a way of making doctors take work into their lunch breaks and and take yep. them home with them. Yep. And when we're dealing in an age of burnout. That's, that's not okay. That needs to change. We'd never say to someone who worked at a fast food restaurant, hey, go ahead and make french fries while you're at home tonight so they're ready for tomorrow. It's like, no, yep. that's part of the job. And I do it at work on the clock. The same thing is true with your medical records. The thing that needs to happen here is the doctors need to stick their heels in and say, my appointment is not over until I finish this medical record. And I think that you should fight that fight and just say, that's how it is. And that's how you get out of here on time. The fact that if the practice says to you, but if you write up your medical records, we can't see all the patients that we want to see. I would say, then we don't have capacity to see the patients that you want to see. Because writing up the medical record is part of the job. And so yes. I again, I don't think it comes from a, a bitter place. I don't think that practices are trying to take advantage of doctors. I don't think they're like, ha, ha let's make them spend their nights writing these things. They are just trying right. to see all the patients and to do all the work. And one way to stuff it into a certain number of hours is to let the doc is just not ask questions about when the charts are getting done because you know the doctor's yes. gonna do it. Because they have a moral obligation to it, and they're good people, and they also want to protect their license, so they're going to do it. So that's how that kind of gets set up, and I just feel really strongly it's time to push back against that and say, no, these these things go together. Now, to be fair, and on the flip side, if you have a doctor that takes 22 minutes to write up a chart, and I know those doctors— yes. um, Yes. I understand why the clinic would say, this is not okay for you to take 50 minutes to see a 30-minute appointment. That's not hard to understand, and the staff's going to yes. get frustrated and everything. That means that there has to be some flexibility on the side of the doctor, which goes back to efficiency, which is, I'm going to write these charts up, but I'm going to do them in an efficient way. That doesn't involve me writing 5,000-word essays on every one of them and if the doctors are unwilling to make that concession then none of this stuff that i'm talking about is going to work
0: yeah and and i think like i i have been there working with doctors who have the mini novel for their records and from a to your point from the vet school lens they were beautiful Mm -hmm. i could if i if i sat there for 25 minutes and read through their whole mini novel i would have a fantastic idea of what they were thinking why they were thinking and what's coming next for this patient i would they're so thorough and complete and beautiful and if you are that doctor it's also not wrong to figure out how to make that for yourself and make it replicatable because you can't expect to have to you can't expect yourself to have to write that out over and over and over again because otherwise you're going to be this doctor who's there till 10 o'clock at night writing up their charts you have got to figure out a system so i'm totally with you i think and i think if we're not doing we're not doing our jobs as managers if there isn't some sort of process to look at this and evaluate this and make sure that we're supporting all of our our, all of our doctors so for me that conversation would look like look i get it i i don't maybe I can't ask you to change right now because especially when you're working with newer grad doctors Mm -hmm. like that is how they sometimes get to their thoughts or or you know when you're you're standing there I remember being a new technician and thinking if I don't talk through in my head all of the possibilities like how will I know that I'm not missing something so I I know what that feeling feels like and that's where you have to be willing to accept help from your team. Yeah. And so you have to figure out a system that is going to allow the rest of the team to help you, but it's not a healthy place to be where you're sitting there until 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And so if you're like, this is except this is the only acceptable way for me to do it. Totally fair. Yeah. You have to be willing to work with me to create as, a system, Because as the manager, I also have the responsibility to the rest of the team, to the business, to our patient care model, because there's other patients waiting for you that also need your attention, mm-hmm. to say, I have to help hold you accountable to yeah. so being able to move this along because it does not work for you to take 50 minutes to do a 30-minute appointment and constantly be making your clients wait. 20 to 30 minutes yeah. and be running behind like that's not fair to the patients it's not fair to the clients so i need you to help me and it's about finding that
1: that middle ground well i'm glad you said that and, I, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i just want to really emphasize i don't think i said this very clearly before when i'm looking at my systems and my workflows um there are other people besides me the veterinarian making you know 75 dollars an hour or whatever um there's other people besides me that can do 80 percent of the medical record for me my assistants can my technicians can and so i I didn't say that super clearly and i think i've been talking as if the doctors is is the one king and all this that's part of the system of the workflow is to go okay how do we do this and where other people how this can be broken up i mean i know i know doctors that are high producing doctors and they have a scribe chasing behind them when i go see my doctor the GP. Yep. Every one of them now has a scribe in the room. Yep. And they're doing the records and they're making it happen. Um, the economics of that medicine are a little bit different. Uh, maybe a little bit. Yes. But I do know that I do have I've worked those practices. I've worked at a practice I had the doctor, the technician, and an assistant all go into the room. And it's this really beautiful rotation of the uh, the technician is, is asking questions while the assistant is getting the pet ready and then the doctor is in and the doctor is doing the physical exam and the technician has rotated over to the keyboard and they're serving as the scribe and then the technician is doing the diagnostics and feeding them back to the doctor it's like it's this beautiful coordinated dance but that record is done every time they're done in that room and it it, it's impressive uh it's super impressive
0: yeah no i i'm i'm on that i'm on that page that was that was my preferred a preferred method in in my own well, practice but- because it it makes you be able to be leveraged to as a team member to to your skill set yeah. right like the doctor is putting their hands on the patient and diagnosing and and answering. The client questions that need to be answered to make a diagnosis or move forward, right? And then I want to be able to help that doc- I want to be able to take all of the patient care pieces off of their plate. I want to be able to help drive that forward. And also, like, I'm the tech that loves client education. So, why should my doctor stand in the room and answer some of those questions that I'm totally capable of? answering for that client because then i also can not only answer the question but i can have the financial conversation so i'm i'm with you i'm i'm a big fan of figuring out what that dance looks like and look this is where should is should is a very dangerous word because it's different in every practice what works in my practice is not necessarily what's going to work in andy's practice or your practice like everybody is going to have something different and everyone needs to have a system and a process and the fact that we as an industry spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours doing this over the course of a year in practice and years in practice. And so many of us don't take the time to work on this as a team and figure out those systems Yeah, is really, really sad because yep. it is a part that is it is broken and it should not be up to just the doctors to say, hey, I'm drowning. And this doesn't work for me on a personal level because I'm spending all of my time off work working on work yep. the whole of the team should look at this and say how do we make this better for each other and also for our patients and our clients
1: yeah i just have really strong feelings about this as you can tell it's because <laughs> i have seen my good friends burn out and quit yeah i mean i have seen yeah i know i know veterinarians that work at idex because they couldn't go home before nine o'clock and not the work at idex is bad it's great right. um but it hurts my soul because I want my friends to be in practice. You know, like know that's what they what they want to do. And they're very, they're very I feel like a bash IDEX. I love Idex. Um, it's I don't like seeing my people burn out in the trenches in vet medicine. Like I love clinical practice. Yeah. And I don't like seeing people leave um for burnout. And and I've seen good friends break their marriages for this exact right. reason and I go right. I'm sorry um if your marriage is breaking down cuz you don't come home before 9:30 at night cuz you're writing up records that's not okay um yeah. and, and and that's that's the emotional driver for me to say nope the record gets done when the appointment gets done and I hand the record to the pet owner because that stops me from falling back into that habit of I'll fill these out later on yes. but to me it, yes. it's a it's a wellness uh, strategy to say nope, tying these things together. I'm not interested in breaking them apart um, because I I don't want to live that life. And there's you know I've just I've seen that too much. Yeah
0: no I no I agree with you 100%. Like it it hurts when you have people on your team who truly love clinical practice. And I think that's what what I heard you say when you when you were talking about you know somebody leaving and going to work in industry. It's there are people who are suited for industry like they try clinical practice and they are not happy and they go elsewhere like that is not the problem it's when people who genuinely love clinical practice but leave for an alternative whether it's industry or leaving the industry altogether because they can't figure out how to find that work-life balance like that's the one that hurts them that that hurts right that's the one where you look at it and you feel like this this isn't this isn't good so i agree um and I think it's our our job as leaders to help to help fix that. And so, you know, it's it's this is this is an elephant. And if you if your practice has no system and everybody is doing it a different way especially if you have multiple doctors and multiple texts and like each different team does it differently this is not a thing where you're going to be like all right we're going to call a huddle and in
1: the next 15 minutes we're going to solve this problem (laughs)
0: that is is not a thing that's going to happen you have to do the math
1: you have to do the math and recognize how many appointments you see in a day and how many people log in and search for a pet a pet and pull them up yeah and just just think about how much time you spend logging in and pulling up a pet on one computer and then five minutes yes. later you log in and you pull it up on a different computer and oh you can't yes. access it because it's still open on the first computer and so you have to go figure out where you open it it's just ridiculous but those things especially across a three doctor five doctor ten yes. doctor practice they're bonkers also yes. i feel like we're gonna need to do some sort of like hiring push for IDEX because i'm like oh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I wasn't trying to use them as a bad example. And now I'm really I'm torn with guilt. I'm like, so uh, if you're thinking, of, if you are burned out, I understand. If you what are you were burned saying. out and you're thinking about leaving a <laughs> clinic, consider IDEX uh, because I do have friends who have gone there, but they're very happy. And so just. Uh. Just I think, think about
0: just, it I think you're just digging I my, whole you know, for
1: <laughs> this <laughs> episode not sponsored by I-next. not
0: brought to you by <laughs> oh man i I love it I love <laughs> it so much uh if you're if you're sitting here and you're listening and you're just like, okay guys this sounds fantastic, but how do I actually? Do this. Um, this is the kind of thing that I love about the uncharted community because we ask these kind of questions, right? Or we are, we are, we are asking our peers, I have no idea how to do this. Yeah. I know I need to do it because I have doctors who are sitting here until 10 o'clock at night, I want to fix this problem. Um, and this is the kind of conversation that I love seeing happen in our community because it, um, it's where we dig into the weeds of what are we actually doing? What are the different styles of doing it? How do you approach this? What are people's different um, perspectives to how do you project management th- this? Because it is an elephant and you have to eat it one bite at a time. And there's no better way, I think, to do that than to sit down with some of your peers and say, how might I approach this? And how may I also be able to ask for help? Because it will, it will be a process. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't it is an undertaking. I did this with with uh mul- have done it with multiple practices in my last practice like it took us a year once we identified like hey we need to solve this because we did it in stages and it started like everybody's going to write up let's take a let's take a wellness appointment what does that look like you know yeah. and you just chip away at it little by little by little but you know what when we got there and when the wheels started turning faster and faster and that you know that train started chugging down the track it feels really good because there is a world that exists where you can go into an exam room you can see an appointment and you can walk out of that exam room and the client can leave the building and your chart is done Yeah, And all of the client communication is in the client, like you said, the client left with a copy of whether it's a report card or copy of the record or whatever, they leave with that in their hands. There is a world where that that can exist. I'm 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 here for that world. (laughs) I agree. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking through with me, Steph. Yeah, this was a good one. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.